This is Pastor Mike, and I want to welcome you to the Life Fellowship Podcast. I know that the trials of each of you experience can often feel overwhelming, and at those times, the enemy tries to bring discouragement into your life. Remember that in John 16, Jesus tells us to be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. Today, as you listen, I pray that God's word ministers to you and that the power of the Holy Spirit deposits joy and peace into your situation. coming to our Wednesday night services, I just want to encourage you to do so. We had just a tremendous, tremendous move of God in this place Wednesday night. I mean, it was just really, God just really, really, really moved. And uh, and I just want to encourage you to come. We've been having about 50 people show up on Wednesday night in the sanctuary. So I want to encourage you to be a part of that. And uh, I just know that God is going to continue uh, to work in that as well. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to continue on our Pregnant with Promise series. And um, I just believe that God is going to speak to you this morning with this word. Luke chapter 2, and uh, what a great scripture this is. This was probably one of the... uh, I'm reading this out of the, I probably didn't tell uh, Steve this, but he's probably got New King James up and that's fine. But when I was about five years old, I learned this in the King James. So it's almost impossible for me to read it without quoting what I memorized. So I'm going to read it out of the New King James just so I won't mess up the scripture. It's not a lot of difference in the two, but um, I want to read verses uh, 1 through 7 this morning. And I don't, I don't know if I gave you that, Steve. You're on top of it there. There you go. Uh, One through seven. I want to talk to you about birthing your promise. Birthing your promise. Luke chapter two. This is, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up out of Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child, Verse 6 says, and so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In reading over this text over the last several weeks, I've, I've guess been shocked in a sense to all the theologians that try to discount the birth of Christ happened as Scripture says it happened. There's so many uh, theologians that want to tell us, well, it didn't really happen in a stable, that it didn't really happen in a manger, that it really was this or that. And I, I want to tell you, I wasn't there. But if I believe that my salvation comes by faith in who Jesus is, I'll just choose to believe that Scripture is right based on who I know God is. Amen. So I believe that the scripture is true to what it says. And I begin just a few side notes to to this text. When it comes time for your promise to be birthed, 
not everybody's willing to make room for what God's promised inside of you. Not everybody is willing to make room for what God wants to do in you and through you. I, I, I don't know if I've ever heard this preached on in my life, but I, I looked at this text. I've read this verse a thousand times. And it says that there was no room for them in the inn, so they had to go to a stable. What if the innkeeper would have known that was going to be the Christ child, the Savior of the Jews that was going to be born in that place. I can tell you what he would have been doing. He would have been saying, I'll sleep in the stable. Y'all can have our part of the house. I mean, that. listen, that inn would still be in operation today. That would be their logo on the brochure. Jesus born here. For $500, you can stay in the same. I can just see it now. I mean, that's the kind of world we live in. But it's amazing to me that this pregnant mother comes along, mother-to-be, and the innkeeper's not willing to make room even though he can see that she's in distress. Bethlehem was a 65-mile donkey-slash-horseback ride up into the mountains. Bethlehem set, it was in the hill country. So they went up through the mountains, 65 miles, nine months pregnant on a donkey. Can any of the women give me an old me? 60, I mean, I mean, I can just see me going to Stephanie at nine months pregnant and saying, uh, honey, if you don't mind, saddle up the donkeys. We're going to go on a 65-mile ride up in the mountains. Listen, she comes in in distress and she's about to give birth to Jesus and nobody was willing to make room and they find themselves in the stable. So just want just a side note to this message this morning. Not everybody is going to make room for what God has promised you. Everybody's not going to make room for it. Everybody's not going to understand. I can imagine, the, the Bible doesn't elaborate, but maybe Joseph even said to the innkeeper, man, you may want to find us a room. I don't know if you realize what's, what's about to happen. We're, she's pregnant with a very special person. Not everybody's going to make room. Not everybody is going to see the importance of what God is doing in you. That's why it's so important for you to have the tenacity to say, I'm going to see it through regardless of what everybody else sees. Can I tell you this morning, it's not about what everybody else sees. It's about what God sees in you that matters. Don't be shocked when everybody else doesn't see the promise that God has placed inside of you. So they get to this place in their journey. The Bible says that they settle in a stable. The first thing I want you to see this morning that place and time are crucial to the promise that's inside of you. You must be at the right place at the right time for God to birth the promise that he's given you. And I can just imagine what Mary's thinking. Keep in mind, Mary was not a supernatural person, regardless of what the Catholic Church thinks. She was not a supernatural person. She was, she was a little teenage girl that God chose. 
And she had some natural inclinations along her journey. And I can just imagine, I tried to picture what it must have been like for Mary. She's already made this nine-month journey with Jesus on the inside of her. And I can just picture that she's thinking about, well, I'm going to get there. We're going to have a, and I know they didn't have hotel rooms like we have today, but she was going to get to that place, and they were going to have the baby Jesus in the end, and everything was going to be just perfect. But can I tell you, sometimes God will choose places and circumstances to birth destiny into your life that doesn't fit what you pictured. Doesn't fit what you pictured. Be careful not to curse your circumstances because your circumstances may be the very vehicle that God is using to get you to the place of birthing destiny in your life. This is what we do. If you grew, if you grew up or got saved and have been attached to any type of faith movement, you let one bit of adversity come, we rebuking it in the name of Jesus. You better watch what you rebuke. Because some adversity that comes... It's not from the devil. It's because God is doing something and pushing and prodding to get you to a specific place. Mary gets to the stable. God is getting her into position. When the promise is fully developed inside of you, it's, it becomes the toughest season of waiting. I, I, I thought about when ladies are in their last trimester and it's and it's 4th of July. I mean, it's, it's 100 degrees outside. You can ask any of them, when are you due? Tomorrow we'll be fine. You get a very quick and short answer. When you're in the, can I tell you that spiritually things are the same way. When you're in the last trimester of God developing something in the inside of you that is going to become destiny in your life, it becomes very difficult to wait for the right place and the right time because you've carried it so long, you're just waiting to get it done. But God's saying to us, I have a place and a time. It's an uncomfortable season when we're waiting. And can I tell you that most of us don't rest while we're, we're waiting. Most of the time when we wait, we become disgruntled and agitated and we don't rest. But the Bible says in Isaiah, I believe it's chapter 40, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I noticed it didn't say those that wait upon their circumstances to change. It said those that wait upon the Lord. I'll tell you why we don't rest is because we're constantly looking at the circumstances saying I want you to change. I want you to hurry up. But that's not what scripture says. Scripture says those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And church I want to tell you this morning when we get to the place in our life where we recognize God I can't control one thing in my circumstance but Lord I can wait on you. God I can trust in you. God I know that you you will never leave me or forsake me. Can I tell you, rest can return to your life. Amen. Give him praise in this house. Hallelujah. It's important that you see the process through. 
Premature delivery, wrote the highlighted this note, premature delivery can have lifelong side effects. Premature delivery can have lifelong side effects. Wait on God to bring you to the right place and the right time for what he has promised in your life. God puts the finishing touches on everything in the last trimester. I began to think about as a baby is developing in the womb during that last season. If it's born prematurely, the doctors have concerns with the lungs and with the heart and just different things. Why? Because they have not developed fully to cope with what they're going to see on the outside. Can I tell you, somebody this morning, don't be discouraged that God hasn't birthed that promise fully in your life because if he had, all, if he had birthed it too early, you weren't ready, you weren't mature enough spiritually to be able to, 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 to maintain what it was going to take to see it through. God wanted you to develop in a greater way so that you could, when the promise comes, you can take it and run with it. It's important that you realize this morning that God puts the finishing touches on your promise before it's birthed in your life. Verse 6 says that while she was there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. While she was there, I find it interesting that Sometimes in, in, in church or in the church life, if you will, in the Christian walk, well, if, if God would just do this or that, I, I'll, I'll get myself to the place I need to be. Church, I want to tell you, it does not work that way. You get yourself to the right place, in the right position, and then God will bring something forth through you. You have to move yourself into position to be able to get what God has for you. Position yourself. The place and time are crucial for the promise to be birthed into your life. Second thing is don't focus on what the outside surroundings look like. Your promise is designed to change the natural, but the natural has no power over the promise. Let me say that again. The natural circumstances have no power over the promise of God inside of you. I don't care who tells you it doesn't look right, it doesn't sound right, there's no way. There is nothing in the natural that can take away the promise of God on the inside of you. The promise is meant to transform the natural. The promise inside of you is meant to transform other things. God's promise is always beautiful, but the birthing place may not be. Baby Jesus, no doubt, was beautiful, but the birthing place wasn't. And I want to tell you, this stable that they were in, it wasn't even a stable like you and I would picture today. It was more drafty. It was more rugged. It was, it was not a pleasant place to be. And oftentimes, God will begin to do things in our life and we'll say, well, this doesn't look exactly right or I don't know about this. Listen, don't focus on the surroundings. If you get serious about God doing something in you, you won't worry about the surroundings so much. You'll just be focused on what God is wanting to do. You'll be focusing on getting that promise out. 
I, I, I thought about this. Maybe this doesn't fit everybody, but you know, when, when, a, when a woman is getting ready, she knows she's going to go into labor in the coming days. I, I hear so many women say, well, I want to go get my hair done and my fingernails and my toenails done before going to labor. They want all that stuff in order. But you know what I found that's amazing? That when they're in the middle of labor, they could care less about the fingernails, their hair, or anything. The only thing they're wanting to do is get that baby birthed into this world. They could, they, uh, listen, the husband could be real sweet and say, oh, honey, your fingernails look so good. Don't talk to me. They don't, they don't want to hear any of that. And I want to tell you, when we become focused on the promise more than the surroundings, it's when God can really do something in us. Because, see, God sees your promise as seed into this life. Good story of this is Genesis 22. God talking to Abraham. God has given Abraham the promise of who? Of a son. And he says, that in this blessing I will bless thee and I will multiply. And I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gates of his enemies. And in thy seed shall the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. Four or five times in this text, God mentions the word seed to Abraham. Gabriel even told Mary in Luke 1, his kingdom will be no end. He said, I know you're birthing a promise, but I'm looking to do something that there is no end to. See, you and I can relate everything to beginning and end, but God is into multiplication. God is looking to do something outside of what you and I I can understand everything that God speaks into your life every promise he gives you he looks at it from a place of multiplication that if he can get one promise birth through you that he can multiply it time and time again and more and more people are touched and changed by the gospel begin to recognize that whatever God has given you it's seed for something else. We, I, I, I don't have this in my notes, but even in our offerings, your offering is seed for more. It's seed. Particularly, and I'm not talking about your tithes here, but your offer, the tithe belongs to the Lord. But when you give an offering, your offering is seed. Well, you're expecting a great growth out of that seed. It's important that you recognize that God looks at almost everything through the process of multiplication. He says, I can, I can do more. When somebody is willing to give it totally to me, I can multiply it even more. Don't focus on what it looks like on the outside. Don't focus on the surroundings. Mary didn't focus on, she didn't complain. The Bible doesn't say she fussed because they were in a stable. She just says, all I know is I'm focused on one thing. I need to get myself into a birthing position in the right place at the right time because God has brought this full circle inside of me. In church, I want to tell you, God is looking for some people that he can bring some promises full circle inside of you 
you and you get so focused on him that you're willing above all else to bring it forth and birth something for him into this world. Amen. Give him praise this morning. Hallelujah. Don't focus on what it looks like. We, we get so focused on what everything looks like. I, I'm the world's worst on this. I don't like it if a, if a, if a picture is out of square or the, if that tissue box is sitting six inches closer to the wall than the one, and it sure is, I think. That one on that side, is, and that bothers me. I may go move it. No, I'm not. But I, we focus so much on small things that don't matter. When God's more interested in what he can do internally in us, some, God is into creating, folks. He is into creating something. And all he has to use is raw material. You're God's raw material. All of us, we're, we're raw material. And so you say, well, I don't know if he could do a lot through me. Listen, he, he, he can use you. All you have to do is yield yourself to him. God can take what you have if you'll give it to him and he can bring a promise through you. Don't focus on what it looks like. Don't focus on what your family lineage has been like. Don't focus on the mistakes you made in the past. Don't focus on what all the problems are. Just say, God, I'm selling it all out to you. God, I'm placing my focus upon you. Don't focus on your surroundings. Mary decided she had come too far to turn back. I hear people in church sometimes talk about, well, I feel like I'm just done with organized religion. That's the dumbest statement I've ever heard in my life. We have people that are willing to walk away from the church because somebody ruffled their feathers the wrong way. Well, they were corrected about something. They're just willing to, listen, Mary had come too far. Can, I, I can tell what some of us, and I, notice I said us. What do you mean there's no room in the inn? God, I can't believe this. I, I have carried your promise for nine months, and you haven't even provided me. Let me tell you something. We In the church world, we better get back to the place where we want to serve God and we don't have to have somebody carrying our Bible or toting our water and all the other stuff, but we're just so focused on God. What do you want out of my life? What kind of, what do I need to do to have more of the anointing in my life? Don't focus on what it looks like. The third thing I want you to see this morning, without a, push there's no birth without a push there's no birth I don't think they had c-sections back then if they did you wouldn't want to be a part of one I guarantee you that Mary had a real birth with real pushing and real pain I don't believe she had a Lamaze class to go to beforehand to coach her through the process. She didn't have just the right mood music to play in in the background. Everything wasn't fixed just perfect for her. She had a real birth. And for you and I to birth something in the spiritual realm, we've got to push. I wish I could tell you this morning, that you can come in and out of this church 
for the next month, the next year, the next five years and just be your own little self and, and, and God will just magically set down in this place. But that's not the case. I want to tell you, oh my God, help me this morning. If we don't change things, we'll just be another regular old church. I'm telling you, church, if we don't change things, we just become another regular old church. Because you've got to push when you want to burst something in the spiritual realm. And you know, Mary had brought herself to that place where she's going to have the baby Jesus. I got to thinking, what if she, what if she had a cold? I mean, it's possible. I mean, she didn't took a sixty-five mile donkey ride up into the mountains. Maybe she got, maybe she had a, maybe she had a sinus infection. Maybe she, maybe her back was sore. I mean, may, what kind of natural things could have affected her? And she said, well, you know what? I, I just don't think I feel like pushing anymore. And can I tell you, we let so many things in the natural affect our push. And it, it doesn't take much to affect the push of the church. Real stuff this morning. Doesn't take much to affect the push of the church. Well, you know, I we, we, just anything, any little thing out of the ordinary, we're not able to push for the Lord. We can push for so many other things, but when it comes to the things of God, it seems like the, the church as a whole, we, we begin, well, I'm just not able to do that because I'm just not able to push. Can I tell you something? We've got to bring back the push in the church. We've got to, we've got to bring back, I, I'm not saying we turn back into an old-fashioned church, but I'll tell you what we need. We need some old-fashioned Holy Ghost moving in the church. Amen? We need some old-fashioned Holy Ghost services where people are willing to all week long seek God for a move of the Holy Spirit, where people are willing to come down and cry out and say, God, we need Wednesday night I talked about what the problem in the church we have today is we don't have any fire. We say we've got the Holy Ghost, but we don't have any fire. If we have fire in the church, where is the evidence of it at? People are able to come in and say, sit in a pew and never move a finger, never get excited. I want to tell you something. If fire broke loose on that wall this morning, I can tell you what will happen. People will be up and running because of the fire. The same is true in the spiritual realm. God wants the fire of the Holy Spirit to begin to burn in this church again. Some of you need a fire lit onto your backside by the Holy Ghost so you'll get up out of your seat and do something out of the ordinary for God. Say, Pastor, I can't believe you said that. Well, I'm under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, so just talk to him about it. I'm serious, church. I, I don't want this, I don't want Life Fellowship to be a church that does business as usual. I want us to have, and 
we call it an old-fashioned move of the Holy Ghost. What we need, we need a we need a new-fashioned move of the Holy Ghost that has the old-fashioned fire to it, because that's how we'll bring in the next generation. I said this last week, and I'm going to say it again. And I love, I've got friends that are Methodists. I've got friends that are Baptists. I've got friends of all kinds of denominations that I love. And I'll go to their church, and I worship with them just like they worship, and I'm happy to do so. But this ain't no Baptist church, and it's not a Methodist church. We're supposed to be a church that's filled with the Holy Ghost and fire, and we better act like it. We better act like it. God wants to do a new thing in this house. God wants to ignite a fire in us. We've got to get the push back in us. Well, Pastor, I'm, how, do, how do we push? We push two ways, through worship and through prayer. Worship saturates the atmosphere and prayer activates heaven. I want to read a scripture in 1 Kings 18, verse 41. It said, Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up and eat and drink, for there is a sound of the abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground, listen to this, and he put his face between his knees, and he said to his servant, Go up now and look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And seven times he said, well, go up again. Then it came to pass that on the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising up from the sea. And Elijah said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare yourself and go down before the rain stops you. Verse 45 is what I want you to get here. It says, now it happened that in the meantime, now it happened that in the meantime that the sky became black and the clouds and the wind blew and there was an abundance of rain. And I want to ask you this morning, what are you doing in the meantime? What is Life Fellowship doing in the meantime? It's individuals. What are you doing in the meantime until the fire falls, until the rain falls? Elijah said seven times I sent the servant back, but Elijah kept his head bent between his knees and he cried out to God and said, God, I know you promised rain. Even though I can't see it, even though I can't hear the thunder, God, I know that you promised promised rain. In Life Fellowship, I want to tell you this morning, God has promised the rain. God has promised the fire of the Holy Ghost. What are you going to do in the meantime? Are you willing to put your face between your knees and cry out and say, God, I'm not willing to stay where I am, but I am looking for an old-fashioned move of the Holy Spirit. God wants to do a new thing in this place. Erica, come on. God wants to do a new thing in this place. What are you doing in the meantime? What are you doing in the meantime? Say, Pastor, are you mad? No, I'm just intense. I, I am as happy 
as a frog in 100 degree weather. Now, I don't know where I got that at. I never heard it before. It must have been the Holy Ghost. I don't know. I'm not mad. I'm intense. Because I don't want to have regular time. To be quite honest, can I, can I clue you in on something? I'm absolutely sick of regular church. Anywhere I go. Anywhere I go, I am. Regular church makes me just want to puke. Because all we do is we come in and we go out and we... I love having parties. Look, I'm, I, I want—I I, mean, I like going to all. I want to do all that stuff. Look, I want to be the life of the party. But that's not what it's all about. Church is about the Holy Spirit getting involved in people's lives and transforming them. The world needs something other than what they have. There, there needs to be a church that is on fire. Really, I mean on fire for the Lord. I mean something is burning inside of you to just get into his house and pour yourself out. Pastor, you just don't know my background. Quit looking at your background. Quit looking at where you came from. Look at where God wants to take you. God wants to do something. Because there is a world that is lost. And on its way to hell... People are dying and going to hell every day because the church has become comfortable doing their routine. We have. We've become comfortable doing our routine. A new visitor's bag ain't going to change nobody's life. And I'm all about giving out visitor's bags. We had a visitor this morning. I can make sure she got a visitor's bag. But I want you to think about where we've come to in the church. We got to make sure we got just the right visitor's bag so hopefully we can get somebody to come back to the house of God. My Lord, forgive us. When really all we need and I talked about this Wednesday night. I, for those of you that weren't here, I feel like I really need to recap just for, just for five minutes. That all we need to do is saturate the atmosphere of this house with a lasting aroma of worship. I talked about the lady with the alabaster jar. And the Bible says she broke the flask. She broke the jar open. 
and she spilled out all of the pure perfume and it was a very strong ointment and theologians will tell you that even after those people got up and left most likely that weeks later if you would have walked into that room that the anointing and the fragrance was still there it was still there and if we want to have a church that brings in the lost, delivers the addicted, restores the broken, what we need to do is allow our worship to saturate the atmosphere to the place where it don't matter if they get a visitor's bag or not. When they leave this place, they'll say, my God, I, I'm going to get on the phone and I'm going to call my Aunt Sally and my Uncle Bob and my cousin John because there's a church where it's got an everlasting aroma of worship in the house and God is changing lives in that place. That's how we should draw people into this place. But this is it. I can't do it. Erica can't do it. Steve can't do it. Anthony can't do it. Todd can't do it. Stephanie can't do it. Josh can't do it. To create that lasting aroma, it takes all of us. All of us saying, God, I'm gonna put aside everything that holds me back. And God, I'm just gonna saturate this atmosphere with your presence. Be willing, just be willing. I was listening to a Reinhardt Bonnke recording this week. He said the first miracle that ever took place under his ministry, and I mean, he, he's raised people from the dead and all sorts of stuff by the time he died, but the first miracle, he had invited a popular evangelist to come preach at his church in South Africa. And said the guy preached 10 minutes and said, I want you to close the meeting. And he said, I'm, I can't close the meeting. I promised all these people you were going to lay hands on them. They were going to be healed. The evangelist said, close the meeting. I'll, we'll pray for him tomorrow night. He said, I closed the meeting. The next night, the guy got up and preached. At the end of the service, he said, it was nice meeting y'all. I'm leaving. And he turned to Reinhardt Bunky and handed him the mic. And he said, I want you to heal all these people. And he said, what do you mean? He said, I want you to heal all these people. And he said, in that very moment, I stood there and I said, God, I'm, your, I'm nobody. I'm a zero. That's what he said. He said, God, I'm a zero, but I am your servant. That's what he said. He said, I'm a zero, but I am your servant. God said, I want you to tell everybody that can't see to stand up. And he said, is there anybody with blind eyes? Would you stand up? And he said, in the name of Jesus, I command blind eyes to be open. And people began to scream across the auditorium, I can see. I can see. I can see. And four people that stood up, the four, the four people that stood up in that auditorium, every one of them received sight that night for a man that had never had a miracle happen ever. And he said, God, all I am is your servant. 
And church, I want you to recognize this morning, we have got, I know I'm going on this morning, but we've gotten in the mindset in the American church that we've got to have, and I'm, I am definitely not against evangelists. I love having evangelists come in. I love special meeting. But I want you to understand something. It is the anointing of the Holy Ghost that brings change. It's the anointing of the Holy Ghost that, bring, that breaks the chains of bondage. And we've gotten in such a mindset in the American church that unless we have just the right speaker with just the right song, with just the right tune, that miracles can happen when what we really need is a church about the size of Life Fellowship to say, God, I am nothing but a zero but by, by society standards. But God, I am your servant and I'm willing to come. God, I am willing to pour myself out in worship God I'm willing oh my God somebody needs to be willing to break the flask open this morning somebody needs to be willing to break the top off of your container I want to tell you well I've reached my maximum I want to tell you with God there are no maximums with God there are no maximums the sky is the limit God is preparing this church. I believe this for revival. God is preparing this church to go to another level. Listen, you can get on the train or you can be left in the station. God wants to do something. You've got to push. Push past the comfort that you've created for yourself. And watch the fire of the Holy Ghost fall in this place. Do you understand that the last day outpouring, I said this Wednesday night, who's to say that the greatest last day outpouring couldn't start right here? Right here. All, the, all it's going to take is for some people somewhere just to say, God, we're taking it. We're breaking the flask open. But we're not holding anything back. God, we're pushing our worship to the max. God, we're stepping out of our comfort zone. And God, we're going we're gonna to follow it up with prayer. I mean with a real prayer life. I mean with that prayer life where you just push something in the spiritual realm over and over and over. And we begin to watch God move. Now I want to ask just a couple questions in this house this morning. Let me get everybody to stand on your feet that will. If you're in this place this morning and you can say, I don't know Jesus as my Savior or either maybe you've walk with the Lord at some time but you've been backslidden I want to tell you something the blood of Jesus has just as much power today as it did 2,000 years ago it's still here to bring you freedom and bring you salvation and if you need salvation it's here today you don't have to leave the way you came in Jesus name you don't have to go out like you came in 
God's in this place today to restore you. I, I just sense in my spirit, God said there's somebody in here and there's a heaviness on you because you've made a commitment to Christ, but you've never followed it up with the walk. And God says to tell you today that if you'll activate that faith again, He says you for, you're forgiven. He's just looking for you to step out. He's just looking for you to step out today. If you're in this place today and you can say, I've never received Christ or I haven't, or I really haven't just walked with Him. Either way, if that's you, would you raise your hand? I see one, two, three, four. Anybody else? Now let me ask you this this morning. How many people in this church want to see the fire of the Holy Spirit fall in this house. I'm talking about the kind of fire where deaf ears, oh my God, this is not crazy talk. I know it's bad that it sounds crazy. We are the church. We're talking about people getting up out of wheelchairs and blind eyes open. People go, that's weird. No, it's not weird. It's who we are called to be. Everybody else is weird. It's a watered-down Christianity. We are called to be the one that the anointing of the Holy Ghost flows through. If you raise your hand, or either you can just say, I'm ready for the fire of the Holy Ghost to fall, I want you to just feel this altar right now. Feel this altar. Right now, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on. Hey, for you... Any of you senior citizens that can't stand, I want to invite you to come to the front row. There's plenty of seats open. I want to just invite you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, lead us in that right here. Lead us in that. Come on. I want us to pour ourselves out in worship this morning. Come on close. Give everybody room, guys. Come on close. So many people coming. Come on close. Come on close. Come on close. Come close. Come close. Focus on anything else. I just want you to focus on you. Thank you for listening to our podcast here at Life Fellowship Church in Hearst, Texas. God is doing great things at our church, and we would like for you to be a part. Join us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 6.45 p.m. Get connected with us through Facebook or our website at www.lifefellowshiphearst.org. Thank you and God bless.